you set for all the action. It's Vancouver Canucks game day on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 5 to go and still all to play for for the Vancouver Canucks. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. The Canucks Central pregame show is here as they are getting ready for puck drop in Minnesota against the Wilds. It's coming up just after 5 o'clock. The disappointing loss in a shootout to Adam Gaudette and the Ottawa Senators the other night uh, felt like a nail in the coffin sat but uh, I'm 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 thinking glass half full today, and uh, if if you win out, <sighs> yeah. you can still have a chance. And even less than that, if the Canucks can get three in a row here, right? Minnesota, Calgary, Seattle. Then you go into that LA game, and it likely means a ton. Game eighty-one of the season, your final home game. Yeah, this is setting up to come down to the wire. Yep. It looks like the Canucks are not going to get eliminated unless they lose two or three in a row until you get to the final couple games of the season. Which is very realistic against some quality teams like Minnesota and Calgary. So I'm not here saying like it's easy and this is going to happen. I'm just saying I think a lot of people are writing off the Canucks uh, a little bit too much after that Ottawa loss. Well, and uh, you know, like we mentioned, it hasn't change the equation significantly. It's, It's a tough loss. And what we talked about more than anything was is this the game you want to use your mulligan on? Yeah. And what does it mean that Thatcher Demko had to play 40 minutes and a night he's supposed to have off? And how does that compound later on? But that's more of a compounding issue maybe for the final two games remaining on the season. As we speak right now, heading into the Calgary and Minnesota games, or Minnesota tonight and then Calgary coming up on Saturday, it doesn't really change too much. Yeah. You still have to essentially win both these games here to give yourself a chance and uh la will need to lose a game outside of the one that they play against the canucks but uh, that was always likely to be the case yeah whether or not the canucks won against ottawa because (laughs) odds were the canucks were not going to win 12 in a row to finish the season yeah and you've seen a team like dallas lose a couple in a row but even dallas because they're already up to 91 points on the season they have to lose two two more games than vancouver does yeah if they lose two more games than Vancouver does, then Vancouver would have the tiebreaker because they have the regulation win advantage right now against the Dallas Stars. But with with five games remaining, you know, you have to win out and Dallas has to lose two. Or, you know, Dallas loses three, you can lose one. So this is kind of where the math comes in. It makes it difficult. But again, you just got to win. We always knew the just win. Had, just had to keep winning. So that's where they're at coming into this game. What you would had hoped was that they could maybe lose one of these games against Calgary or Minnesota. Well, now you can't afford to drop more than one point against these teams. you got to get three out of four points in these next two at the very minimum. Out-of-town scoreboard. We'll keep an eye on it throughout the night here uh, through intermissions and postgame. Flames are taking on the Stars. Dallas on the second half of a back-to-back after losing to Edmonton last night. The L.A. Kings are at home to the Chicago Blackhawks. So, yes, Canucks fans, you are very much Blackhawks fans Tonight, I know that's uh, somewhat hard to hear, but it is a very real situation for Vancouver right now. So going into tonight's game, this the thing that bothered me the most sat about the performance on Tuesday against Ottawa is the Canucks got away from the things that have made them successful through that six-game win streak 
that got them back into the playoff conversation. They weren't great with their puck management, turning pucks over. They weren't great defensively. They did a lot of the things Mm -hmm. that Bruce Boudreaux does not want them to do. They didn't play a clean game and essentially got into just trading chances with the Ottawa Senators. And that's just... It's something no hockey team wants to do, but definitely something that Bruce Boudreaux does not want this Canucks team to do. Not against Minnesota. Minnesota's ability to finish those chances will be a lot higher. And, you know, they're a team, too, that's probably not going to be able to give you as much in transition either going back the other way. You don't get a lot five-on-five against Minnesota. And I do believe what happened, too, with Vancouver against the Senators, and I went back and watched a lot of that game, was they got impatient. And once they started pressing and getting impatient, they figured, okay, we'll cheat to go and try to score, and we'll get our chances, but hey, we're, we're, we don't respect the opponent enough. They don't yeah. respect their opponent enough to be a bit more disciplined with the chances they took and being a bit more structured and more rigid. I'm not expecting them to have the same lack of discipline tonight against this Minnesota team because they're going to be respecting that opponent. And I don't think they took Ottawa lightly, but when they were trying to press to add to the lead and they were trying to come back and tie the game... I don't believe there was enough respect to the fact that Ottawa can make you pay. And that's what ultimately cost them at the end of the game. Yeah, it was um, it was tough because you know, that's a game that you felt you, you should win and Ottawa left the door open for you. The Canucks generated the most amount of high-danger chances uh, in that game than they did in any other game they had this season. Yeah, They also gave up. Uh, more chances than they had in any other game this season at five on five. So it was one of those pond hockey type of games, one that you can't afford to do to play against Minnesota or Calgary. Well, if you played a bit more discipline in that game, as as frustrating as it may have been, you probably could have be, been able to beat the Senators 3-2. Yeah. And it would have been a bit dicey at times and a bit frustrating that you're not scoring a bit more. But those are the professional wins good teams find a way to do. It's like, listen, it's not happening for us really in that sense. So let's just be patient. It's not what we want. We'd rather you know, put up five or six on this team right now. But let's just win this game and get out of here. And they weren't able to kind of have that mindset. And it's hard on back-to-backs, but so was Ottawa on that second of a back-to-back. But that's what I wanted to see from them, and that's kind of what led to that missed opportunity. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be ready to play tonight. So uh, the goalie situation for the Canucks as it played out, Yaroslav Halak got hurt, upper body injury. It happened in a scrum during the first period. We talked about it on yesterday's podcast with Kevin Woodley, which you can go back and find on the Canucks Central podcast page. But uh, from here on out, it's Thatcher Demko's net set. Yeah, uh, it is Thatcher Demko. And it, it, would, it was always going to be Thatcher Demko for the rest of the way. The hope was he can, he can get one night off. Yeah. Now the only way you can afford to give him a night off is if in the unlikely scenario where the Canucks clinch early yes. before the last game of the season. That is a really <laughs> unlikely <laughs> scenario. scenario. Yes. Or that you're out and you look at that you know yes. doubleheader at the end of the season and say, hey, Demko, you play in front of your home fans. Yeah. And then you know Spencer Martin or whomever, you get the second of that back-to-back. That's the only way Demko doesn't play. Those, those are the only two scenarios, and one more one is more likely than the yeah. other of him not playing the final game of the season. That's that's about as unlikely as Randeep <laughs> getting the the date with J Lo that he yeah. so covets. <laughs> well, could you imagine if like you know the the, the Vegas Golden Knights and the and yes. the Kings just lose out, like lose three in a row, and the Canucks win three in a row, and they clinch on game eighty one or something? Yeah, it only took ninety four points. What a, wow! This what is amazing. Talking about? Yeah. This is incredible. Can't believe it. Um, but the you know the the Canucks offense did do a lot lot of uh, good things in that game against the Senators the other night and and hey you should be able to against the Senators team that doesn't play well defensively at all but um, 
Uh, I guess uh, the, the question mark is, what does this uh, lineup look like tonight a little bit uh, with uh, Alex Chason potentially coming back in? Uh, does that uh, change up how the Canucks look tonight against the Minnesota Wild? Well, I think what it means, too, is that you're unlikely to see Nick Patan get a shootout attempt if yes. they go to uh, the shootout tonight because he will not be in the lineup for that mm-hmm. to happen. So uh, for, for all you worried about Patan <laughs> doing that again, rest assured, uh, that's something not to worry about. But you know what? Uh, he's a welcome addition back yeah. into the lineup. And even if you want to hold things together a little bit in your top six, uh, I think that it gives you options. And the way that Chase Saw has played and how confident he's been, and especially coming off of a loss, I, I'd throw him out there with JT Miller again. That's the line I'd like to have together. I'd like to have him together with put Colson and JT Miller. I think JT, like one thing that, um, you know, is so important about his game or valuable about JT's game, he can play a lot of different ways. Right, he can mold. He's almost chameleon esque, where he can play with speedier players. Uh, he can play, even though he's a guy that likes to carry the puck. He can adjust his game on the fly if he's playing with a Connor Garland, let's say, uh, or Elias Pettersson, as we saw have some success when Pettersson was playing the wing. Uh, he can play a little bit of a slower game when Alex Chason is with him. Uh, that's the thing that makes JT so special right now is he can play pretty much any way, any which way you need him to. Yeah, and I, I do one thing I will say though about JT's game, and I've been really trying to watch this, especially him playing center recently. He he's fine at playing center, but he's not at his best defensively when he's playing center, and those things do get exposed a little bit. And that's the one area where if he's going to play, let, let's say the Canucks bring him back next year, mm-hmm. that's one area I would like to see him be a bit better at. And maybe it's just playing a bit more and getting more familiar with the role because as much as he was drafted as a center, he's essentially been a winger for the majority of his NHL career. So yeah. it's one of those things where you know maybe it does get better and it comes together as time goes on. But that's the one area I'd say he doesn't excel at. Like If you're matching up JT Miller, you're matching him up to outscore who he's playing. You're not yeah. matching him up to shut anybody down. Now, if you have Miller and Pedersen together, and Pedersen and Miller, Miller's on the wing, then I can totally see that line being able to shut down just about anybody and score and do a bit of everything. But that's the one question I would have about JT is just defensively, some of the issues we've seen in his game this year, I think comes down to him playing center when that's not his natural position. And that's been somewhat of a flaw in his game, which you can't point out many flaws in the <laughs> season he's had, but that would be the, be, be the one. Um, tonight it's, uh, Max or sorry, Max Talbot, <laughs> Max Talbot played center, right? Yeah. He uh, played center <laughs> and he scored uh, the game winning goal in the Stanley cup final. He did score two goals. Uh, Maxime Talbot. Um, it's Cam Talbot in goal for, uh, the Minnesota wild tonight. So the Canucks avoid Mark Andre Fleury and Talbot gets the net for Minnesota tonight. This is a Minnesota team that does provide a lot of um, danger, especially with Kirill Kaprizov, who is a top 10 scorer, up to 94 points on the season, just a shade, a shade ahead of JT Miller's mark right now. Zuccarello's had a standout season, and Ryan Hartman has probably been the biggest benefactor playing mm-hmm. between those two guys, and he's close to 30 goals now on the year. It's that's the real danger line, but 
Minnesota can beat you throughout their lineup, right? Yes. You know, Erickson Eck is a really good player. He's their third-line center, probably used as their shutdown guy for most of the night. But Matt Boldy's been near a point a game as a rookie this year for the Minnesota Wild. So, you know, they do have more offensive depth. That's the one thing that that is very different from the uh, Minnesota Wild of today versus the Minnesota Wild of 03-04 sat. They do have a little bit more offensive punch through their lineup. They do. Uh, and... The depth in scoring, like you mentioned, like even that fourth line, we have uh, even with the guys like Dewar and Chafe and Duhame, those guys have actually found a way to do a little bit of, of offensive offensive production. And Bukestad's had a decent season for them too. But as we mentioned yesterday, the only question around Minnesota is really twofold. The first one, as we mentioned, was is there enough real high-end talent to go toe-to-toe with the best teams consistently and win in the postseason? That's one thing, potentially. And the other one, obviously, is down the middle. Is Frederick Goudreau truly a good enough center for you to play those minutes, especially going head-to-head against the top teams? And the same thing with Ryan Hartman at that degree. With Kaprizov doing what he's doing, I mean, it seems like it's fine, right? You don't yeah. worry about it. But ultimately, when you're going toe-to-toe against the best teams in a matchup role, does that get exposed? And, you know, obviously, Vancouver doesn't have more depth of scoring than Minnesota does. But they do have the advantage down the middle, clearly. Yeah. It, th- that's the thing about this Minnesota Wild build that is somewhat interesting, Sat, is you hear coaches and GMs and everybody around the league be like, you know, we got to be real strong down the middle. We got to be real strong down the middle. Um, look, Ryan Hartman has put up numbers this year, but he's not driving that top line, right? Um, he's he's almost like Ryan Strom-esque, yeah. right? Where he's uh, he's the centerman, but he's not the one that is driving the line. It's, he, it's or, almost like the uh, Brendan Morrison between Naslin and Bertuzzi. Right, yeah. Like, you, you understand this player is yeah. not a top-line center, but this line runs like a top-line because of how good the wingers are mm-hmm. uh, on this line. I mean, Frederick uh, Coche, you know, he's, he's had a good season, but... <laughs> Nobody really expected that out of him. Like their their strongest player down the middle is Joel Erickson Eck. Um, so it is, and he's what, their matchup guy. And he's their matchup guy. So you know, through the middle of the ice, that's where the Canucks could have an advantage. But is there a lot of similarities between these two teams? Are the Minnesota Wild one that the Canucks not can replicate, but? You know, they're a top team in this league, and some people do have the opinion of them that they could be a long-shot Stanley Cup contender with the way they're built this year. Um, Is this something that the Canucks can somewhat replicate, where there's not, you know, you have some star talent, but maybe not as much as the Edmontons or the Colorados of the world, but you find a way to get it done anyhow. And I believe if you go through the roster for the Minnesota Wild, they have some inefficiencies. I mean, they have about $6 million in dead cap between the buyouts for Suter and Parise and um, um, the retaining salary of Victor Rask. That's $2 million. So that's over $6 million in just dead money on their cap. Yeah. The Canucks have, you know, just over three, almost $4 million in dead cap. But then they also have... You know, three and a half million to Furland, that's an LTIR, but you can at least use that money in a different way. So there are some similarities in 
money that you can't use. Now, they don't have as many inefficient contracts on the books, and that's kind of been one of the reasons why they, they've been able to have a bit more depth around. But look at where they're finding wins. Joel Erickson Eck. Yeah. Frederick Goudreau. If those two play, I mean, sorry, Goudreau and Ryan Hartman. Yeah. If Goudreau and Ryan Hartman, as players that took a step and kind of got opportunities and, and came out of nowhere, really, to be as good as they are, if that doesn't happen, are we having this discussion about the Minnesota Wild? So what they did was find two players who far exceed their value in prime spots. And that's kind of what this roster needs as well. Now, unless you're able to clear enough cap space where you can go and find a meaningful player and pay a decent amount for him, that's fine. But if you want to take that step while being capped out, that's yeah. what you have to find. You got to find a couple of guys that far exceed their value contractually. And they they're really strong on D, as we've talked about. Um, you know, Jared Spurgeon, so so good. Even at eight million per, is still so good. Uh, Jonas Brodeen is one of the better shutdown men in the league. So, you know, you know what you've got on D with the Minnesota Wild. There's a lot of things to like. But I think it comes down more to, yes, finding some some talented players that exceed um, their value on the salary cap. But it's easier to find players when you have a clear identity of what you are yeah. and what you want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And when the Minnesota Wild, when Bill Guerin is going out to shop for players, he knows what he's looking for, and he knows what he wants. Like, yeah, they didn't uh, go after a ton of shiny toys outside of Marc-Andre Fleury at the trade deadline, but going to get Nick Delorier because that's a guy that fits into the mm-hmm. identity of our team. We want to be greasy, we want to get under team skin, and we want to play real physical. And so when you are able to go out and find guys that you know play that style and are going to buy in to the way that you want to play as the Minnesota wild. I think it's a lot easier to find pieces that will really fit into what you want. Well, you're already putting yourself ahead in the evaluation process and you're not just looking at it and saying, okay, we're trying to find a top four defenseman and a top six forward. Everybody's looking for a top six defenseman, a top six, top six forward and a top four defenseman who isn't, but do you find the one that's a fit for you? And even take that a step back and look at fourth liners and depth players, for instance. It's easier for you to hit on a depth player if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. If you know what's going to fit for your team. All of a sudden, that makes your pool of players smaller than you're looking for, but makes it more likely you hit on one of those guys because you're not wading into the darkness completely blind, just looking for somebody known as a fourth liner. Yeah. Go and find the guy that fits for what you're trying to do. And, and that comes down to having, like you mentioned, an identity as a team. It comes down to that organizational culture and knowing exactly what it is you are and what it is you're looking to establish year in and year out. And a lot of that also depends on the coach. And we've been saying now for a couple of weeks that as much as we're, everybody's talking about Boudreau, Boudreau, and because the team hasn't come out and said uh, for sure he's coming back, that if I'm betting money, I'm still betting on him being back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been maintaining that for a while here now. But that's why it becomes important to figure that guy out as soon as the season ends. Because who your coach is, is a big part in what your identity will be as a team. And that, having that figured out and that established already, makes it easier for you this offseason to perhaps find a couple guys that can really work for you. And I think that's, you know, in part, some of the issues with the current Canucks roster, uh, where you have some good players, but how do they fit, right? Like, that's been the question around Connor Garland all year right and yeah you go out and and, and you you get oel 
the contract is a concern, but also like how does it fit into your cap picture and how you want to play when you already have uh, a, a top end power play quarterback like Quinn Hughes? You know, like there's just um, it, some questions on why certain players were targeted by the previous regime and how it fit into the vision of what they wanted the team to be. But it's what the new regime has and will be working with this offseason. But I think there's a, you know, and, and Calgary is a part of this conversation too, but teams like Minnesota and Calgary do work against the idea of you have to rebuild completely to build a really strong team in the NHL, right? Neither of those teams really did that. There's been some high draft picks on both ends, especially for Calgary, but Calgary is a team that just made a few tweaks. Yeah. And with the identity of their coach, Daryl Sutter, knowing which players to go out and target, they've really turned a corner to become a juggernaut this season. And Minnesota, similarly, like a few years ago, they were a guaranteed playoff team with Bruce Boudreaux as coach, started to dip a little bit. You wondered if they were going to rebuild. They said, no, we're going to reset a little bit. They did that. Now here again, they're, they are back and, and being a pretty solid Western Conference team. Now, there are compar- comparisons to both those teams. Now, what do both those teams have this offseason? Flexibility. Minnesota created some flexibility with the Prize and Suter buyouts. Now, that comes back to bite them more the next three years, where those cap hits are considerably higher than what it is right now. But this year, it gave them a bit of a break. It allowed them to go out and do a bit more and fill out their team and, and really be more aggressive this year. Calgary also had some flexibility, which allowed them to go out and make the make the addition for Blake Coleman and some of the other additions that they're on the team. Got Zadorov, for instance, as well. So they had some money and they used it. Vancouver's trying to clear that money and and use that flexibility to do some things, not to go out and, and sign a Blake Coleman. I don't believe they're going to be looking to do something like that with Calgary, for instance. Yeah. But more like with Minnesota, where you take you make some bets on guys that are kind of in the middle of the road, and if one or two of those guys hits, it works out for you. If you get even more cap space, well, then it gives you even more possibilities for what you can go out and attain. But that's why it comes back to creating a little bit more flexibility, because if you are able to do that and you say hit on a couple of guys within the margins, then in two years, Dan, well, now you set yourself up to really load up. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Canucks do that, but Minnesota may be providing a bit of a blueprint for a lot of teams that aren't ready to hit the rebuild button. Um, as for tonight's game, you know, it, it goes without saying, one of the reasons the Canucks certainly have had success in the second half of Bruce Boudreaux's tenure has been special teams. The power play has been rolling at a really good clip. And of course, the penalty kill has been a lot better. An interesting thing about Minnesota, their special teams, not all that great. I think that's really, especially for the Canucks that are playing their third game in four nights, might have to rely on Demko a little bit here. Special teams is the area that I think the Canucks will have to win this game tonight, whether that's with a power play goal uh, against Minnesota's, you know, they're a bottom 10 penalty kill unit this year. Yeah, and that's something that the Canucks could take advantage of given how good their power play has been. I mean, Canucks, uh, since the All-Star break, have had a top five power play, and it's been clicking at, what, over 30%? Yeah. You know, since the new year, essentially. So you're talking about the power play really going, and that's that was always going to have to be the Canucks' advantage. We knew that at even strength, maybe they can be a bit better defensively, but they're not going to be a team that's going to overpower anybody. 
can they hold their own, and can you win on special teams? Well, earlier this season, that was not attainable. The power play was okay. The penalty kill was dreadful. Now the penalty kill is more than respectable, and the power play is legitimately deadly. As long as you don't get run over at evens, you got a chance to win this game. And with how the Canucks played that last time and how they were ready for the battle, and I expect them to be do so as well tonight, I'm expecting this to be a real intense, heavy game. And Minnesota has the advantage in that, but I don't see the Canucks backing down from it. And they have a real good chance of winning this game as long as, like you mentioned, they play well on special teams tonight because they are decidedly the better team in that area. Yeah, and Minnesota dealing with a bunch of injuries as they try to get ready for the postseason. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw coming up. The player's spotlight will look into Brock Besser and a thought on the Canucks team awards as voting started yesterday. It is Canucks Central ahead of the Canucks and Wild on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Getting you set for all the action. It's Vancouver Canucks game day on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The Canucks Central pregame show as Dan Richo and Satyar Shah are here to bring you right into puck drop on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's a big game in the sense that the Canucks need to win all of them pretty much at this point to get to the postseason or have the chance to get to the postseason, though 97 points should be good enough. It would be in most years. This year might not be, as uh, the Canucks no longer hold their own destiny after the loss the other night. No, uh, no longer. However, that can flip in a hurry, as we've seen. In 24 hours, it flipped for the Vancouver Canucks, for instance. (laughs) So that can change. And this is where the Canucks are. It was always going to be a long shot. Yet, here we are. And we're talking about a, the biggest game of the season yet again. And, you know, as far as just enjoying hockey and watching, you know, an exciting game, I'm excited to see what happens tonight. Because Minnesota, this team in Minnesota, Minnesota and Vancouver, they actually have a bit of a rivalry going back. I mean, you go back to the West Coast Express days when the yeah. Wild dispatched Vancouver in the postseason. And it was always how Minnesota hated Vancouver because they were in the same division. And Vancouver was like, ah, oh, you know, you're not really relevant enough to be our rival. And, yeah. you know, it was always kind of how Minnesota viewed Vancouver. Vancouver. And if you ask Wild fans, a lot of them will say uh, their rival or one of the teams they dislike the most is the Vancouver Canucks. But especially with what happened in that bubble post playoff against them and the last few times these, these teams have played one another like there's there's some extra intensity when these two teams go head to head nowadays and tonight considering the stakes for vancouver i'm expecting the same thing yeah and the wild uh they are a tough customer as we know so uh nick delorier you better be watching out for him and uh they could play a pretty greasy style as we know so expect that tonight from them the player spotlight is brought to you by super soil Want to have your garden in the spotlight this spring? Then make sure you head over to Supersoil, BC's largest supplier of soils, mulch, and gravel. Visit supersoil.ca. Let's take a look at the Minnesota boy himself scored in his debut in Minnesota. It's Brock Besser, who's come back off the injury list with a couple of multi-point games, had a goal and two assists in his first game back Monday night against Dallas and then 
Played even better against the Ottawa Senators with a goal and an assist. And uh, certainly, as you said the other night on the postgame show, was the best player on his line, Seth. Yeah, he was. And the Canucks needed somebody to step up to, especially when Bo Horvat went out. And Besser came back at the perfect time to be a difference-making player. And you're not going to have all your guys going every night. But as healthy as you get healthier, you have guys that are capable of taking over at any given time. And if you have a couple of guys going up front, and Miller was going the other night, and so was Brock Besser, that gave the Canucks a chance to win. They probably should have done better against Ottawa, obviously. But with that with that guy going, and though that other line, other line being good, you saw the Canucks be able to score three goals and, and have a chance to put that game away. And I'm expecting Patterson to play a lot better tonight after being you know, somewhat nondescript the other night against the Ottawa Senators and that chemistry between between those two players has really been evident to the last couple of games and long term especially if Brock Besser plays we know that he can play with Miller but we also don't know how he's going to fit in long term you really want to feel like you can throw Patterson and Besser out there for the majority of a season and feel like that duo is going to be able to have chemistry and do things uh, Brock Besser, uh, that one goal in Minnesota in his debut is the only goal he scored against the Minnesota Wild in regular season play. So uh, he's maybe due, Sat, to continue his goal streak since coming off of the injured list. Well, well, well we will tell you what the anytime goal odds are for him coming up <laughs> a bit later here on the pregame show. Uh, we absolutely have to. Now, uh, yesterday, the uh, Canucks released the fan vote for the player awards Mm -hmm. end of season player awards uh the cyclone taylor award going to the most valuable player the best defenseman the most exciting player and the unsung hero the four awards and uh, there will be a new award this year um the sedine award the henrik and daniel sedine award that uh, will be awarded to the uh, player that uh really gets into the community and does a lot of good work here in the community of vancouver uh, as the Sedines have done through their careers. But that one is not a votable one. So we focus on the four. Okay. And I put out a vote last night, what my ballot looked like. Mm-hmm. And before you say that, I love how everyone's like, no, who cares about fan <laughs> awards? But also, how yeah. how dare you vote for this person? I don't believe anybody that says they don't <laughs> care about it because my mentions will beg otherwise. Um. I had Demko down as the MVP. Quinn Hughes is the best defenseman. Checks out. Definitely not much debate on Hughes. This is where I think people started to uh, get their backs up a little bit. All right. Um, Let me get ready here. For unsung hero, this should be of uh, no surprise to anybody that listens to Canuck Central often. I had uh, Tanner Pearson. That's legit. And for the most exciting player for the Pavel Bure Award. Mm Mm-hmm. Connor Garland was my vote. Connor Garland. The most Connor Garland player. was my vote. This reminds me of when David Booth was voted the most exciting player for Vancouver. <laughs> Just because he skated very fast and like had a bunch of you know rushes to the net or whatever. Okay, like Connor Garland's been legitimately good. He leads the team in five on five points. He's been good. He's been good. Not amazing, but he's been good. He's exciting because he spins around, or you know, all the time. You love little players, Dan. Hey man, I wonder why he's a diminutive forward that I can. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> really appreciate how he finds ways to get it done. Okay? You, you just love how he puts guys into cleaners and the ro- on. Uh, uh, Along the boards and him his little spin moves, he gets blown up. He jumps back up and he skates and hustles all the time. Even when he's forechecking, he gives the little shoulder jukes yeah. <laughs> and tries to fake out the defenseman as he's trying to make a breakout pass. Yeah, okay. So I mean, he's enjoyable to watch. I get it, but most exciting. I mean, JT. I mean, how, how many times did JT Miller have to go coast to coast this year for you to give him a vote? The man doesn't get the MVP. Obviously, doesn't get the unsung hero award because he's got like maybe, 91. Maybe JT Miller's just become old hat for me, you yeah. know? And and Connor Garland, the new shiny toy. The things that Look, JT Miller's Connor done this Garland year. is legitimately my, my like, aside from Quinn Hughes, who uh, I think is the most exciting player to watch each and every night with the things that he does. But Connor Garland, for me, is the most fun player to watch on the Vancouver Canucks. The most exciting player on this team for me objectively in the in the uh description of the award most exciting player that's Connor Garland for me I notice him every shift he's always doing something that's fun to watch love when he's getting like you know really like bullied down low and then he just scurries around and he gets hit and he Pops picks back himself up. back up again and he's and all, somehow still has the puck the whole time you know like I, I love that about Connor Garland yeah I don't know I can't agree with you though I mean, it's JT. I can go with JT Miller. The way Pedersen's been playing down the stretch, you can add him. Even Quinn Hughes. Again, see, this is the problem. We normalize Quinn Hughes and everything he does. And just because Connor Garland hustles and he's little, you call him the most exciting player. <laughs> That's not the only thing. Like, the thing about Connor Garland that people overlook. Well, it's not hard to overlook him. Exactly. But five on five, he's been their most productive forward. He has, sure. Like, facts only. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it, but it's just, you know. So why does that get overlooked, you know? Uh, JT Miller's racking up points on the power play. It's great. He's been awesome this year. And I, I really consider JT Miller for most valuable player. But most exciting player, Connor Garland. Yeah. Uh, 40 points, JT Miller 43 at 5-on-5. Five five. So it's very close. Yeah, it's close. Miller's still better, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But that doesn't make him more exciting. No, it's kind of. I don't. I mean, I think Miller's been more exciting. Okay, how many highlight reel goals has he scored? He he literally had the McDavid goal twice this year, where he just went coast to coast. <laughs> yeah, the overtime winner doing that. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, highlight reel goal of the year. I mean, JT may have one of the. He may have two of the top ten goals of the NH, in the NHL this year. Yeah, is that not exciting? That, that goal in Ottawa was spectacular. He yeah. went through the whole team. Like, even if Ottawa was basically playing shinny hockey at the time, well, and it's the, still damn impressive. And you know what? And the temper tantrums on the ice alone should be getting half a vote. It's most exciting player, okay? <laughs> Not best player. There's a difference there. There is a difference. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's. Dan is just excited about Garland when Myers hugs him. Makes Richie Ochara <laughs> look less dramatic. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying Reach still thinks it's 420. I'm just saying Reach has the munchies. <laughs> also, Garland is a bad take, bro. That's from Johnny. This one. Besser shows up 10 times a year, and you guys are giving him props. LMAO. I mean, he had two good games. He has five points in two games. Are we not be like, yeah, you know what? He had two good games, but you know what? He's a bum. I mean, you got to give credit when the guy's playing well, and you got to point yeah. out. It's, it's talking about the game script and the form. The fan take of Brock Besser, those that are uh, not – big fans of Brock Besser, the ones that 
I uh, think he's uh, too yeah. casual at times. They're like, oh, sure, he's showing up now because he wants his new contract. Like, that's the pessimistic take. Yeah, and, and I, hey, listen, I, I understand because our discussion during Canuck Central, the first uh, segment of the show was which player has your opinion changed on the most, positively or negatively? And we spent most of the time on the positive ones, but people texting in, I mean, Besser came up, and that's a legitimate one based on what the expectations were leading the team of scoring last year and how tough this year has been and the contract looming and how fans feel about A, him staying, and B, what they think he's worth. I'd say a lot of player, a lot of Canucks fans have had their opinions change on Brock Besser based on how his season's gone. Uh, I don't think that's a bad take. <laughs> uh, I've heard a lot of. It's funny when you play beer league, uh, you get to hear a lot of uh, interesting Canuck takes. But uh, I'll, we'll leave those for the beer league dressing room. Let's see what, what happens in there stays in there. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Stan Richo, Satyar Shah, uh, Canuck Central coming up. Uh, more in on the Canucks and Minnesota Wild. We'll give you some of the lines of the game. And also, you'll hear from the coach behind the bench with Bruce Boudreau with Gabby is next on the Canuck Central pregame show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Canucks pregame show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Time now for Behind the Bench. Here's Brendan Batchelor. It's the Vancouver Canucks and the Minnesota Wild tonight from Minnesota, and it's time to go behind the bench with Bruce Boudreau. And Bruce coming off the shootout loss at home against the Ottawa Senators. What do you take away from that game as you head out on the road for two? Well, then we can't afford any more shootout losses. I mean, uh, I thought for the most part uh, – we had a couple little glitches in our game, but for the most part, we played pretty good, and uh, we just couldn't score that night. And uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen, and we get allowing two goals or less again today, and, and we'll score three, and things will be better. One player who has been scoring is Brock Besser, who has goals in back-to-back games <laughs> since coming back into the lineup. What have you thought of his play since returning? I thought it's been good. He's had more energy. Maybe the time off did him good. He's uh, uh, He's – skating better and shooting the puck more accurately so um those are those are real positive things and we need them to continue that what are the things you focus on with your group going into this game tonight do you talk much about you know what you were alluding to there where you weren't able to score against ottawa or is it just trying to emphasize the positives of how well you've been playing as a whole lately well it's a new game and we just talk about the other team and they know that we've been positive or 6 and 2 in our last eight. So, I mean, I don't need to go there. I don't need to build them up that way. They know what we've been doing. I just, uh, uh, it's it's just a new day and what we have to do today and let's focus on today and, and that's it. And don't worry about anything else. What do you expect from the Wild? They're, they've lost one game in their last 17. So I expect maybe the best, the team playing the best in the NHL right now. Bruce, thanks for this. Good luck tonight. All righty. Thanks. There is Bruce Boudreaux talking up his uh, former team, saying they're uh, one of the hottest teams in the NHL as it currently stands. So uh, Bruce Boudreaux expecting a difficult matchup tonight, as you should, against a team over 100 points on the season. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's a tough piece of business, and we've seen that with Vancouver going up against them a couple of times. It's not going to be easy. It's a physical affair. They're fast. They play intense. But... The Canucks have been able to be up to the task. And like Boudreaux mentioned, uh, the players understand what's at stake. And given how disappointed they were after what happened against Ottawa, I am fully expecting them to be more than ready to play tonight. Now, uh, Minnesota is 
pretty much like they aren't catching the uh, Colorado Avalanche, who've clinched the division and top spe- top seed in the West at 116 points already this season. But they are uh, essentially fighting for home ice advantage against the St. Louis Blues, who are likely mm-hmm. uh, to be. Well, they will. They they will be. Uh, they're both locked in uh, to that two three spot. So it will be Minnesota St. Louis in that first round series. And Minnesota's, you know, been on fire, but they're still fighting for home ice advantage in that series. Not a ton to play for for the Minnesota Wild, but maybe that is the one thing that gives you hope for the Canucks is maybe they're not as sharp as they normally are, given they are already punch their tickets to the playoffs. Yeah, sometimes you catch a team like yep. that. and. You know, I you know you can't bank on those sort of things, but you wonder if that plays into your favor to some degree here tonight. And just I, means you got to show up more, right? You um, do, and you know, and even so, like with how Vancouver's been playing, it's not like you're facing Colorado. No, that's just you know just head and shoulders above you. And even against Colorado, they put their best performance of the season, one of their best ones, yeah. together on the road. Well, it, it's in the Colorado. mantra for the Canucks. Like we, you have, they have to outwork their opponent. And that's and, and if they do though, yeah, what what they do and they've shown this. And Boudreaux talked about it. It's like, hey, when we're pressing the opponent and when we're working hard and we're taking time and space away, we're a really good, effective team. Yeah. The best way to mitigate another team's speed is not giving them time and space. Yeah. If you're on top of them, I don't care how fast you are. You're not getting anywhere. They you, slowed down the fastest team in the league. We've seen them do it. They just It comes down to all-out effort. That's yeah. what it comes down to. And it's very hard to do that every single night. Yeah. You burn out at some point and back-to-backs and all that sort of stuff. But with the reset and with the stakes being what they are and with them talking about how all these games are playoff-like games, you bring that intensity. I like their chances tonight. And, and we'll talk here about the odds and how the Canucks are, are underdogs here tonight, but I, I'm not viewing this as an impossible task. I, I think a lot of things can go Vancouver's way as long as they show up and play hard. And uh, speaking of that, uh, let's take a look at playnow.com. The Canucks, uh, two and a half on the money line, so paying 250 on the money line, getting a little bit of juice there. If you're feeling the Canucks getting the win over the Minnesota Wild tonight, that's uh, it's a pretty favorable line for the Vancouver Canucks uh, to, to get some juice tonight in a game they have to win and one that, uh, as we just mentioned, Minnesota very much does not. No, absolutely. So if you're looking at the money line, there's definitely a little bit of juice there if you want to go after it. Now, as far as props go, and something you mentioned earlier, the Canucks have one big decided advantage outside of the center advantage potentially, and that is special teams. Yep. So we look at a PK, that's not great, versus a P power play that's been absolutely red hot for the Vancouver Canucks. And one player who quietly is on the verge of perhaps even tonight setting a new franchise record or at least tying a franchise record Record for most points in a season for a Canuck, for a defenseman for a Canuck defenseman Quinn Hughes he has 61 points he's two back of Doug Lister's 63 and he's one assist off of setting the franchise record of assist for a defenseman in a single season he's tied right now with uh, with Kearns at 55 he gets one more he sets the record. And the power play could be an advantage for Vancouver. So I look at Quinn Hughes at least scoring a point on the power play. That pays out at 2.25, which is not bad value. So if you want to look at uh, the Canucks and some individual players, look at the power play total points. That could be somewhere where you get a little extra juice that could work out for you. Uh, We've given you some uh, winners on the anytime goal scorers lately. I know Marcus and Gibson's always given us his play for the night. He is saying uh, he's going with a 
points and assist for Matt's Zuccarello. So he's looking at the other side of the coin tonight. Uh, JT Miller, Brock Besser, and Elias Pettersson, anytime goal scorer props, all paying 270. So uh, all of the Canucks' top scorers are right now uh, not getting a ton of juice, but you're still getting a little bit here in a big game against the Minnesota Wild. Beyond that, Connor Garland and Vasily Podkolzin are both 375. You know what? I'm going to go a little bit way off the board. I think the Canucks need to get some help from the back end. I'm going to go with a long shot vote oh, tonight. Well, here we go. Because we know the main ones. You know, I always put a little bit of a sprinkle on the main guys, but I'm going to shout out Oliver Ekman Larson, who has been getting more involved offensively lately. Uh, and we've seen him have some chances to score. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, seven to one as an anytime goal scorer. Ooh. So it's a long shot and one that uh, is probably going to end my streak, but uh, we're, yeah. we're taking a little bit of a longer shot at the board. Oh, I like it. Especially, uh, especially if the Canucks generate some offense from the point, depending on if the second unit gets out there too, maybe Oliver Ekman Larson is able to do so. We got this text unsigned. It says, take the under shutdown game. Uh, and as far as the goal totals go tonight, you can either bet on, uh, so a total of anywhere from three and a half goals all the way up to nine and a half goals. Now, if you want to look at a little bit of juice on the under, it would be five. So to the texture texting in, would you take under five goals at 3.4? Well, that's what the payout is. And as always, bet on hockey like never before. We play now sports, the official sports betting partner of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, so we were talking earlier about the Canucks uh, awards. Uh, just to close out the pregame, uh, Minnesota and Vancouver coming up just after the top of the hour. I uh, got a lot of texts and responses to um, my Connor Garland take as the most exciting player. Uh, this is one that I really like. Riccio is more right than wrong. Garland is having a career year and is still getting too much flack for his production in the market. I'd pick Miller too, but Garland is easily in the top five most exciting players on the Canucks this year. They have 18 skaters a game. <laughs> five top five most exciting? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> All right, fine. There's that one. And somebody else says, Garley, we agree on something. He's just not entertaining. He's playing beyond what anyone would expect a kid his size playing through the ranks of amateur and professional hockey leagues. He's an outlier and amazing. It makes me happy every game. And and Dan is is confusing those the, those endorphins and the happiness of watching Garland with excitement, I suppose. Because a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm sorry, Dan. I don't agree with you at all. Most exciting player is such a poorly worded... Award. I wouldn't vote for Myers just because I get excited about tall people. <laughs> Brandon and Coquitlam. Garland, well, I guess 420 did just pass. Dan did not. Uh, Jennifer Howell on Twitter. Going 15 games without a goal is not exciting. <laughs> um, actually. Uh, it was 19 games without a goal, Jennifer. <laughs> and all the response like, that doesn't help your argument, Dan. <laughs> It's most exciting player. Who's the most exciting player to me? It's Connor Garland. Yeah, uh, and, and I like this one. Steve from Vancouver. Garbage take, Dan. How many highlight real goals can you remember from Garland? But I don't care about fan awards. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, like that, uh, his big goal against Seattle early on in the season, that first road trip, that was a big goal from Connor Garland. Came down the wing, you know, he intercepted the pass, then he yeah, came down the nice. wing, took the big clapper, which was like, you know, 77 miles an hour. <laughs> hey, it's big for him. But he got it through. 
Uh, it's uh, Canuck Central pregame. Canucks and Minnesota Wild are coming up. Uh, we're going to have intermissions and postgame. Sat and I are here with you all night long while you're doing your taxes or watching the game, whatever it is, <laughs> as some people have uh, let us know. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in for the game tonight. It's a must win, as they all are now, for Vancouver. Coming up, Brendan Batchelor, Corey Hirsch with the call from Minnesota as the Canucks look for a win against the Wild. That's next on the Sportsnet Radio Network.